All right, happy holidays, everybody out there. Welcome back to another edition of Raptors 2K Podcast brought to you by our friends at Uber Eats. This is episode number 14. Yes, we are still in the double digits and still letting these things fly on out. I'm Phil Visu. That's my man, Shane. Shane, talk to me, bro. At the time of this recording, Thanksgiving has just passed. Did you have a nice holiday feast? Well, given that we are Canadian, uh, our Thanksgiving was last month, but I got a lot of thoughtful messages from individuals like yourself yesterday who I work with wishing me back a happy Thanksgiving as I sent them a happy Thanksgiving message. And so there was a real education going on. And I was shocked at the number of people that work at AMP that do not know that Canada has its own Thanksgiving. But I will say it's not as egregious of an error because honestly, Thanksgiving in Canada doesn't have the same punch that it has in the US. It's just not as significant of a holiday. Obviously, we all uh, appreciate getting together with our, our loved ones. But I think in the US, it's just like such a cultural thing. Uh, I was thinking the other day, actually, I was lying in bed. I was like, you know, when you when people talk about American culture, American like food culture, it's like burgers, fries. I think like the epitome of American food really is Thanksgiving, because like what meal has more is more iconic to America, to Americana than, than Thanksgiving. You know what I mean? I feel like it's like turkey stuffing, potatoes, like all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's hard to disagree with you. Unfortunately, I, I was not one of the Americans who got to enjoy such a feast. I uh, stuck here in California and get to go home for a home-cooked meal. I think we had, my roommates got some scalloped potatoes, stuffing, and pre-sliced ham from Costco. <laughs> and uh, Hey, man, yeah. you're chasing the creator dream. You got to move away from it home, was... hit LA, get discovered, onto greener pastures. Yeah, honestly, I blame myself. I should have just cooked, too, because I'm actually a pretty fair cook, but I was just so lazy and distraught. Like, it's never going to be as good as mom or grandma, so I was just like, keep it, and that's it. That's my holiday. Well, I was uh, sharing with everyone. You know, everyone knows we we like to – kind of talk about the behind the scenes of the industry i think that's one of the you know the the areas where phil and i can can add some insight and i think some of our more regular listeners you know like hearing this stuff so uh, i also did not have you know a a crazy uh thursday we uh at my my, you know main job at amp uh, we dropped our our first real apparel drop uh yesterday and i was Mm -hmm. telling the guys it went out at midnight eastern time and uh i popped on with our partner and uh, we were just looking at you know how things are going, pushing the initial marketing out, all that stuff. And uh, my partner was like, "Oh, you know what? I actually have a, like a live chat. I'm going to turn that on because I can answer questions about shipping." And you know, you learn a lot right out of the gate, right? Because there's there's still some problems in the site, and you figure that out. You know, some guy was trying to get shipped to Slovenia. You got to add the country to like the shipping, you know, destinations okay. and all that. And so he turns on the live chat and then all of a sudden gets locked out of it and can't troubleshoot it. And then he's like, why don't you try? Because I also have admin access just to monitor sales and stuff. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm in. So he's kind of giving me the answers to the problems. And next thing you know, it's five in the morning, uh, my time. And so if I look especially tired in any way or, or gaunt, we're, uh, that's because I only slept three hours. Also, I maybe get a little tongue-tied because that's what happens when I get tired. And the last point I'm going to clarify, not to complain, but just to kind of explain to the audience, uh, my light that I normally have lighting myself up is in my basement. It's being used as like a makeshift product photo studio right now. I've got literally some of the sample hoodies <laughs> that I have stuffed with balloons, hanging on a steamer, lit from all directions with every light I have, uh, including my red light that used to wash the walls at my old condo when I used to do the pod from there. Um, so I've got yeah a little makeshift studio all set up trying to get some new product marketing out the door by the end of the day today hey that's a miracle you're actually able to take time to uh to film our podcast so we certainly do appreciate you taking i love doing it phil honestly shane 
it's a great time and that's a lot of work but before we even get started you should probably fuel up my guy because it sounds like you have a busy day ahead even after the podcast so tell me what's on the order sheet for you today you know what it's probably gonna be uh, uh, there's a pizza spot that's only open thursday friday saturday around here and it's like the amount of times like you have to go out on like a thursday friday saturday like i just never get it and uh yeah. i've been craving it for like a month and i've like had these like plans okay we're doing this spot it's like a mom and pop shop like best pizza in canada type thing 15 years ago or whatever but just super good um and i've been craving it and uh, my fiance brooke who doesn't usually like to you know have me eat pizza and stuff like that she's not here right now so i think i'm gonna get myself an extra large <laughs> pie and just enjoy that after this throughout this and uh into the evening fair enough i like that already what about you you going healthy again I am not because it's Thanksgiving weekend, so whatever. I'm actually there's a place around here. It's a China China Run is what it's called, and it's got some pretty good general styles. And I haven't I got to enjoy a lot of good uh, Chinese food since I've been to Cali. I feel like I don't know what's that. They got a lot of good Asian food, but Chinese food just doesn't always hit. But they got some good general styles, so I just placed an order for that, and that's how I'm going to start my day. Nice. After we're done. Nice. Well, uh, now that we've got that uh, done and dusted and, uh, you know, my Uber Eats is surely cooking faster than yours and will be here by the end of the pod, I bet. Uh, uh, Let's uh, talk about the elephant in the room, the big news. Our boy Saint uh, was traded this week in a big four-team trade. Yeah, you know, I got mixed feelings about it too. I really like Saint. I thought he brought a lot. But, you know, again, we like to, you know, keep it transparent here. I think that's the reason why people tune into podcasts, raw and real. Um, you know, we can talk a little bit about some of the insight that, you know, I think went into why that, that trade was made. Um, and I think everybody in the league knows Big Saint is a crazy talent. But, you know, I think there's a there's a particular systems that certain coaches uh, like to coach with. And, uh, you know, as everybody probably knows, uh, we hired Raptors Uprising, hired Roy Christian to come in and be the Raptors coach uh, for next year. Uh, he was with the Mavs last year. He's, he made a name for himself in the Pro-Am community. I've been super impressed by the conversations I've had with him, you know, really deep thinker about this stuff. And, you know, he's got a particular sort of style of system he wants to build and a particular type of lock that I think he wants in that system. And uh, not that I'm fully involved, honestly, that trade went down without me even knowing. I had a meeting with the team just to kind of check in on how everyone was doing on Friday, you know, just play a little advisory role stuff. And by Monday, the trade was done and I, and I had no news about it. So truly, I'm just kind of reacting to this almost from an outside POV other than that one conversation I had. Um, but that's kind of the sense I got was there's a particular system that Roy wants to build. And I think maybe a different type of lock as skilled as Saint is will better fit that system that he wants to build. That's what I understood. You know what? Those are all fair, valid and good points. My honest, raw prediction, though, they're going to regret that. Big Saint was a beast. <laughs> he was a like, beast. Period. We'll he was a beast, and he has, he's, he's got competing in him. You know what I mean? I love that about him. No, so. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll see what happens. But, I mean, you know, anytime, anytime you leverage some good talent like that, obviously you're hoping to get uh, some good return off your investment. So hopefully it pans out for them, you know? Yeah, I'm all the best to Big Saint, man. For them. Yeah, of course. Of course, no doubt so, about that. Um, now, on the bright side, Raptors have yeah. back-to-back picks at 25 and 26, which is just mm-hmm. outside That's the, in the first second round. round, right? Yeah, yeah, top of the second round. Um, and so, you know, there, you know, it, probably not surprising to anyone, especially anyone who's done any kind of like fantasy stuff. But having back-to-back picks is huge because even if you have close picks. And there's a couple, you're like, oh, do I prioritize my shooting guard? Do I prioritize my lock here? You know what I mean? Like making that 
choice when you know like it's possible you're really analyzing are the teams between our next two picks possibly going to grab one of these positions and if they are you might even have to go with the player that you think is probably lesser valued but more likely to go in between your two picks if that makes sense so having back-to-back picks puts you in a really nice position where it's like you know exactly what you're getting at two key positions and you don't have to do that like juggling act of figuring out which do i need more which is more likely to not be there if i were to let this slide and let a few more teams picking between us so yeah raptors have back-to-back picks 25 and 26 in the second round as well as uh, pick 36 in the third round and there's going to be a total of 47 picks next year in the draft i think what we're seeing obviously year over year is the number of uh positions open uh is shrinking even as teams are joining the league uh and that's because we're finding who the you know the seasonal talents are who those guys who are deserving to come back every year and i think that's creating probably even more talent less risk hopefully in the draft and so with 47 picks and us drafting three between 25 and 36 you know pretty excited to see what what roy and the team can do as those who've been following us will know we traded our first this year for saint to come this way in the first place right so no first round pick but we do have Kenny and type both beasts you know both guys uh who really buy buy into the system here and um again i'm excited to see what what uh, roy and kev and the, and the whole team can do well it's going to be an interesting a new season once we hit 2023 so again best of luck to the raptors 2k squad uh on uh, some of the new acquisitions coming their way to uh try and get back in that championship picture but I think it's time that we invite on our guests because we're actually doing things a little bit uh, different for this one. Maybe it's because there's the World Cup going on. We were like, you know what? A FIFA player (laughs) seems like the the way to go. And I kind of like that. I like that bridging of communities. We actually have our friend Goal Machine going to be joining us for the podcast. Welcome in, my friend. How are you doing this beautiful Friday evening or morning or afternoon? Whatever time it is over here. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm doing great. I'm just... uh doing a little bit of my job and uh yeah pretty good this morning. how about you guys <laughs> this is work today huh yeah it's, it's work day <laughs> it's weekends, friday saturday sunday what's up Naweed man it's good to reconnect with you so uh uh, you know, first kind of icebreaker point, uh, the almost one of the last things I did while I was full time at MLSE was sign uh, with the weed as our, our new Toronto FC EMLS and broader FIFA competition representative. So uh, Naweed is the one person in the world who represents Toronto FC in FIFA, the video game. So unlike Raptors Uprising, which obviously we have a whole team of people every season, Naweed, you know, FIFA Pro is played pretty much 1v1, sometimes 2v2. And Naweed is uh, the man who reps Toronto FC, and he does that uh, very well. You know, uh, I guess like the, you know, as I was transitioning out of MLSE, I remember I was taking an extended trip, kind of, it was still remote work. I was down in Florida and, um, EMLS season was kicking off and uh, Naweed came right out of the gate and won his first tournament and it was incredibly exciting and you know it was you know all the years of, of being kind of a playoff team but not ever bringing home a title it was amazing to watch you win it felt very very rewarding for me and you know it was just felt like okay I'm, I'm leaving our, our TFC program now in really good hands from a competitive perspective so shout out to you Naweed for uh, for winning that title next you know last year and, and obviously hope for more trophies next year. Yeah, I appreciate that. I, I remember that pretty vividly. It was my first tournament. I was a little bit nervous, but I played my best, I think, and got the win. 
always great coming out of the gate with a new uh, organization and delivering a title like that. Obviously super excited. And then, hey, man, you were super competitive through the rest of the season as well. But FIFA, it's man, it's such a game of inches and there's so much like luck involved. And I, I, I can't even remember the emotional roller coaster in specifics, but I do know that it was like tight and uh, you were giving everyone a run for their money. Why don't you walk us through a little bit of kind of how the rest of the season played out with some of those bigger wins and losses were? Um, yeah, that one played out pretty good. And then after that, I had the LS2, which was, I think, a week or two after that one. And I remember between those two weeks, there was an update in the game. And they, well, it was pretty like major updates. And it kind of changed the gameplay and how people played. And I'm pretty sure everyone struggled to adjust. And I'm not going so did I. But I think uh, I, I eased into it a bit as, the, as they got closer to the tournament time. And I still played pretty great in that one too. And then, uh, but the disappointing thing was in the knockout rounds. I lost, I lost in the first round. But in the in like the league table for that one, I think I secured second place, which is still pretty good considering I finished first in the in that last one. That's great. And uh, shout out, uh, you are also now the captain of Team Canada's E National team, which is a huge honor. Obviously, representing the full, the whole country. That's hey, crazy. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty nice. I remember last year when the team was getting picked, it was based off. I think it was, there was going to be three players, and it consisted of one player from the leaderboards, whoever was first, and then the next two were chosen from like a tournament that was played within uh, Canada, or like all the competitive players or pro players could uh, compete in it. And for I was currently first in the leaderboard, and then there was an upcoming qualifier, so I was kind of scared. I was like, if I if I perform bad, maybe the other guy can overtake me. You know, so I really had to, that I played in the tournament for the for the two spots, and I lost in that one. Um, it was on the PS4 version, which I was I wasn't really used to, and I sh- I struggled a bit. I feel like I got unlucky, but that's FIFA. And then the qualifier was like around the corner, I think next weekend, and then like I tried really hard that qualifier, even though I was already in a good place. But um, then I matched up the Canadian rank below me. And like the knockout round, I was like, this is it. I was like, if I lose this, I'm not going to get picked for Canada. And I'm like, if I win, I got picked. And then I think that game, like, I tried so hard and uh, I got a comfortable win. And then yeah, after that, like, I was pretty happy because I knew my spot was secured in the in the national team. And yeah, from there, I got picked as captain. I got I to gotta admit, I'm a little, a little ignorant to some of the competitive FIFA world. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I just like, I'm not familiar mm-hmm. with it. Like... So between like games, like like from like twenty twenty two to twenty twenty three, is there like a huge like skill gap disparity, or is like is do you feel like it's almost consistently the the same way to kind of like pilot the game and just be good, or do you just have to adapt? Because I know for two K, there's always like those little changes that actually can like be a big blow up depending on if somebody's like rookie of the year or just like you know getting benched. You know, I see I've seen it I've seen it a hundred times. You know what I'm saying? So like, what's like the skill gap between like game to game? Uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. And the funny thing is, since, like, let's say FIFA 18, 19, the skill gap has only dropped, which makes the game a little bit tougher because then there's mm-hmm. only, like, so many minor things you could do and it's, like, split-second decision-making that makes you the better player, which has, back in the day, there was, like, a bunch of things you could do, which the opponent had to think about, let's say, 10 different things, whereas now there's, like, only two different options you could do, right? So, but still, end of the day, I think there's still a skill gap and, like, uh, they made the game more slower, which now I feel like you have to think more uh, like logically instead of just like ping pong arcading everywhere. And yeah, but I mean, end of the day, you have to adjust. And to be the best, you got you to gotta grind and adjust and try, yeah. 
when you say uh, back in the day, what was your like? What's your come up in FIFA look like? When did you actually start playing and like realize you were good? How did you realize you were good? Like, because when I met you, you were already like on the international stage. Like, you were like probably the most hyped player from North America, I would say at the time, or definitely from Canada. I mean, you were a hundred percent on our radar, but you were signed to more of like a traditional esports kind of FIFA FIFA team, and so we weren't even able to have a conversation at that point about you being Toronto FC's rep because you were like locked up in a contract and and I met you at a TFC game we, we invited you to a to a suite there um but like <laughs> what was your come up like like how did you kind of rise to that level of notoriety what would what it look like mm, well I mean I played FIFA my whole life growing up and I always knew I was good because like even though like I wouldn't try hard I would beat like all my cousins and brothers and at one point I got way too easy so I took that to online in like FIFA 16 17 like I was good but like I, was, like, I wasn't there mentally. Like I would always, if there's a tight game, I would just like get too nervous and lose. At the same time, I feel like I was also a kid and mentality plays a big part. Uh, I think FIFA 18 came around the corner and like I started playing weekend league a little more serious because I just finished uh, high school, had more time. And then I think it was around December, I beat a few pros and like my team was average. Like I had no one crazy. And I think one pro messaged me, he was like, um, am I a pro? I'm like, no. He's like, are you gonna try to qualify for the next event? I was like, I have no idea when it is, I'll try, you know? And then I think came January, which was a qualifying month. You qualified through Weekend League back in the day. And um, Weekend League is a thing where you play back in the day, it was 40 games and you had to be uh, top, I think 128 in the world for the month. So 160 games, you had to win like approximately I'll say 153 to be safe out of the 160. And I think in, in that month I made it. And then after that, it was like, that um, was a roll of the dice. I went to my first tournament, played really well. And from there, I made playoffs, playoffs, made World Cup. And then came the next season in FIFA 19, and I got my first contract. And then, yeah, here we are a few years later. <laughs> Man, that, that 40 game weekend league was a grind. For those who don't know, the way it works is you are constantly playing someone with the same record as you. So when you get to your 40th game, you're, or pretty much, right? Like maybe within a win yeah. or a loss, but you're pretty much playing someone else who's 39 and 0 if you're 39 and 0 trying to win that like 40th. And uh, so very, very, very competitive to be able to consistently do that four weeks out of the month. And like you said, only lose like one or two games out of 40 every week all year long like it's crazy this is why when i got introduced to fifa because i also didn't know anything and like i had a crazy experience uh with the prior uh toronto fc player phil where we went to bucharest together and i got to see um what were they called at the time uh the qualifiers i can't remember what the tournaments were called at that point Uh, Uh, kind of like every other every month or so yeah uh, for champions for champions for champions yeah 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 so there was like six of them throughout the winter it was like uh, for cup i think it was for cup yeah 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 so i went to romania and i'm and i'm watching and i'm like thinking in my head i'm like man how many thousands tens of thousands of people are trying to do weekend league and you have to be so consistent beating everyone every weekend 40 games i mean 40 games in a weekend is like an insane grind that is a lot of uh, fifa could, to play yeah yeah go 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 um, um as i meant to say uh in fifa 19 they changed the format to a qualifier system yeah. which uh, to even be qualified for that in your region, you had to win like minimum, of, let's say they changed to 30 and you had to win 27 of 30 to be qualified for that uh, playoff. And then you play like a little qualifier in your region. And yeah. then let's say it, it would it would differ. Like every region would be different. But in our region, for example, like it was Xbox and PlayStation split on Xbox was around like 80, PlayStation had like 150 and only four players would make the event. 
driving. So FIFA 19, they made it a little tougher, in my opinion. Yeah, so less games, a little bit less of a sweaty grind, but like even higher standards, right? You have to be even more yeah. perfect in order to get there. And so this is what was so shocking to me was like how hard it is to get to one of these tournaments and literally fly to Romania. And now what's great about the system is while it should have bigger prize money, and I think that's heading in the right direction, they did pay for all the players to fly out there, put them up in hotels and all that. So like even if you were an unsigned player, if you were good enough, it was very much like democratized. And that's what I respected about it was you could just have the skill. Obviously, there's a pay to win component because you have to have the right team. So you got to open enough packs in order to get it. So that, in a sense, is not necessarily a totally level playing field. But point being, if you were genuinely good enough, you had a team that was capable of getting you there without any backing or support, even with parents who didn't want to pay to fly you out, you know, EA took care of you and, and, and flew you out. But then you get there and the first couple days are like the group stage, or at least the first day for sure, maybe two days. And it's like, it's totally unceremonial. It is just a land center. Everyone's sitting at chairs, grinding, and most people will never be on camera. Most people will never stand on a stage or go into a broadcast studio and i just thought to myself like man how hard it is the perfection that's required to like get to a point where you're actually like a consistent you know tournament winner world champion in this game is like crazy and i think that's you know when you're into the scene that's what makes you realize like these like top players in the world they are a, a league ahead you know like to, to be able to do it's like it's like being pro, a pga tour golfer you know what i mean it is a game of perfection you just cannot make any mistakes it's crazy yeah it was Super pretty crazy. um yeah, like back in the day, even let's say from FIFA 19 to now, even let's say last year, there's been a few consistent names that have been up there at the top. And end of the day, as a fellow competitor, you have to respect it because, like, you know, it's not easy to do that every year. Maybe you can do that like two out of four or like three out of four, but do it like every single year, it's, it's really hard and you got to respect it, you know. Is there, a, is there a consensus GOAT right now? Um, It's, I think it's kind of fell off like more like 50-50 now, but... I mean, I have my goal, people have their goal, and I'm pretty sure there's a debate between two, maybe three now. So, yeah. Who's your goal? Like, you say the names? Let's, yeah, let's give him a uh, shout out. Okay, yeah, my, 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 yeah uh, my goal would be Dossery, MS Dossery, um, I guess FIFA 18 World Champ, FIFA 19 Vice World Champ, uh, like I guess runner-up. He won the Xbox side undefeated though in the World Cup. Uh, FIFA 20 made the World Cup as well, 21 made the World Cup as well, and then 22 he didn't. But just like that, like it's not it's not easy, you know? And yeah, I respect it a lot. And he was also like a, a great teammate of mine and, and a good friend, so. <coughs> I'm, uh, I'm hogging all the questions, Phil, you, you go next. But on that, so being the Xbox champion and then being vice champion, basically runner up, the final match, the crossover is always on PlayStation, right? <coughs> Uh, the, the final match would be, it's always two legs in competitive FIFA, and one game would be on Xbox, one would be on PlayStation. So it's oh, kind of fair. Okay. Uh, yeah. But then you, you, do like a coin flip. you do like a coin flip to determine which console goes first, because I think like maybe you want to play on the way console first, so on the second leg you're more comfortable. Or, or like how. When all, when all the money's on the table, you're on, your, you're on your home console. That makes sense. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, that's good. That's more balanced than I thought. I thought it was uh, was PS was the the finals, and uh, I was just wondering how often the Xbox champ would be able to beat the PS champ. Is there a is there a console that favors goal scoring more though? Because it's also a two leg aggregate score thing, right? So if like if one side is kind of more tuned to you know scoring versus you know more defensive play, like does that ever play a factor? Mm -hmm. I just feel the only factor would be if if one of the let's say the PlayStation player has never touched the Xbox controller in his life. 
I don't think be comfortable like attacking with like with like quick movements because you have to like when you watch a few pros hands while they play it does look pretty quick and to be able to do that you need to be comfortable right so if it's a new controller um usually they try to defend on the away console and then on their home console they'll try to attack like crazy scoreboards because like, that's what i've seen from my own personal experience Okay, I'm hogging again. I like how you said. Um, I like how you said. If you know, if only if you you've never held a controller before, it's mind-boggling to me how chill console pro gamers are. From my experience, with going back and forth between controllers. Obviously, you have your your home console, yeah. but we had this in the 2K league where all of a sudden PlayStation became the console, and all of Raptors Uprising was from Xbox, and like. There was no real major concern from our guys. I mean, it was like a recurring question I asked on every weekly meeting, like, you know, because we were trying to get them the next gen PlayStations, but they were super hard to get that season. And I was kind of st like stressing to the guys, like, and obviously they would have taken it if we could got could get them for them. It's not like they wouldn't have played on PlayStation, but I was like, how concerned are we about the fact that you know you're not kind of tuning your hands to the PlayStation controller this off season? And there was very very little concern over it. Um, I think you switched consoles, right? Because you were Xbox yeah. native, and now now you're PlayStation, obviously because you know, EMLS is on PlayStation. And uh, and again, Phil used to rep TFC. He did the same thing, and it's like it, it's amazing. To to me because as an amateur PC gamer, if my mouse pad changes, if like my, you know, I, I stand now as we've talked about on this podcast before, but back in the day, I used to be like adjusting my chair up and down thinking it was like an inch too high or an inch too low for me to be comfortable. And the fact that at the pro level, you guys like swap back and forth without like major concern about the controllers is, is crazy to me. Do you feel like that's consistent in console gaming? It's kind of like you should be able to do it on both. Uh, I mean, I think the first person to person, like me, for example, when I changed the PlayStation, I had trouble for the first, let's say, a few weeks because, like, my thumb would always be, like, more angled down instead of, like, more comfortable, if that makes sense, like, where the thumbstick is. And, like, it would hurt when I played it for, like, let's say, over an hour or two, I get a little sore, but over time, I feel like I learned how to actually hold it. So, for me, like, it held, but usually I feel like I, when I see others, there's not much of a difference, but in FIFA, the one thing I would say like Xbox and PlayStation do have different timing, like when you play. So it's like, it feels a little bit different. One feels quicker than the other and, or whatnot, stuff like that. So I feel like that's where the change also comes, but you gotta get used to it. I guess so. I could never, bro. I don't I don't know how y'all do that stuff. I, I, I'm such a basic <laughs> gamer anyway, so I, I could never relate to, to that on, a, on that kind of level. But like, is it strictly like for you? Like, do you like, uh, I mean, what other games do you enjoy? Are you pretty good at 2K? Have you ever like really picked up the sticks and applied maximum effort to that? I mean, this is the 2K podcast. I feel like it's only appropriate that I ask what your skills are um, on those sticks. Um, I'm not gonna lie. I think I'm good at 2K, but I've only played like my oh, friends okay. and the cousins and stuff. And I'm like, I've never lost. Maybe one of my cousins is pretty good because he plays. But other than that, like, I think I'm good with like dribbling and stuff. But like, let's say basketball IQ, I don't have it because. Not a basketball guy. <laughs> yeah, but you're a gamer. You're a pro gamer. You got the the mechanical skills, right? Uh, yeah. Like Twenty years of playing Counter Strike. I can pop into Warzone and like, you know, be one. Like even my buddies who play all the time, like I can still be a top. You know, in in our group, which is very, you know mediocre um but i don't same thing i don't have the game sense i don't you know like i'm watching my buddy who's like the, the hard carry in our friend circle and he just knows the game better you know what i mean i just i'm, I'm playing warzone like it's counter-strike and so it's like i can aim and stuff like that but i'm not you know taking advantage of the mechanics the way that i would be if we were playing counter-strike for instance so i think there's like a genre comfortability right you're a sports sim uh pro so you can kind of transfer over into other sports sim games 
yeah, like the only thing I can do in two K is really like dribble and and drive in. But other than that, like yeah, that's it. Which makes <laughs> sense because you're flashy on the sticks in FIFA too. <clears throat> yeah, so I, I could dribble in FIFA and I can dribble in two K. But yeah, I can't I can't transfer anything else over. <laughs> How you doing, Phil? You good? You all right? I'm dying, man. <laughs> so I went down the wrong pipe. I don't know what happened. Must have been that Costco branded uh, stuffing that I had for Thanksgiving. Oh, man, you got to get yourself a nice turkey dinner delivered by our friends at Uber Eats. I feel like there's got to be some restaurant that out there that's going to get you a proper platter. I- that would be ideal. I'm not going to lie. But, you know, I'm on the uh, – I'm, enjo- I'm just enjoying the interview right now. You know what I'm saying? I'm just hanging in there. It's all good. Yeah. Nuid's a straight shooter, always like insightful. I was always like super impressed by my conversations with him, how kind of like dialed in he was in his thinking and also how friggin' honest he is. Like we used to laugh in some of the interviews, you know what I mean? Like even earlier today, he's like, I think that game I was really trying and I smoked him and it's like, bro, in like a pro setting, how could you ever not be fully trying? You know what I mean? That's <laughs> but, what I'm saying, bro. That's a testament to the and, and that certain game, I had to really like this is it. Like this is kind of do or die because you know I I need this this uh, Canada tournament. You know you can say, and I want to get picked for it. So I had to like really, I don't know how to explain it, but I had like different passion. You could say. Is there someone who ignites that passion in you? I feel like we got to hit up Kev, uh, who who manages Nuid, uh, and be like, listen, if Nuid has a hype man, someone who can just make him bring his full compete every single EMLS game, I think it's worth flying that person out. That person would be myself because I think no one yeah. can motivate me the way I motivate myself. Like if I really want something, like if I put my head to it, then I'll do everything I can unless like something stops me, right? But I'll try my best usually. Hey, I know that All to be true too. Because, I know that to be yeah. true because of our our negotiations as we were signing you. <laughs> and stuff. Like you you definitely you're you're like you know you're good you know kind of in the boardroom type guy as well. I'll say. Um, like, and we, we, I cleared this, I, I cleared, I cleared with the weed. We were going to tell this story before the pod. Cause again, like we like to be raw and real. I think that's why people listen to pods. But so my first experience with, uh, with the was I invited him again. He was like this, like star player, you know, was already signed to someone else, but just wanted to like meet him. Right. And just kind of like build a bridge and like maybe look for opportunities later on down the line. And so you came out to, uh, our partnership suite at, uh, at a TFC game and uh, I think it was your, you said it was your first TFC game, potentially, if I'm not mistaken. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, and Chew Boy was there. It was a great day. Anyway, hit it off, had a great time, and just kind of left things, and they never really, like, talked much after that. Again, you were signed. Uh, we were in great shape with Phil. You know, I had a great four years with him um, and loved having him work at TFC. And then I hit you up one time to have a conversation. And truthfully, it wasn't about, you know, scouting for a new player. Uh, they were announcing a 2v2 thing where you had the pair, like an Xbox player, and uh, it was like Club Summit or something like that. And so I wanted to hit you up and be like, hey, is there a way we could potentially work out, you know, something with your org? Um, but I didn't say all that. I just kind of said, yo, we should have a chat sometime soon. Kind of just like off the cuff and like, I'm running the Raptors Uprising. This is like, I, th- I can't remember. I think it was in our season Anyway, and I kind of just like lobbed a message out there and uh, I think, you know, you replied back and I think there was like one quick exchange, but we didn't set anything. It was just like we should talk at some point. And I think I let the inbox, the DMs, you know, sit over the weekend. It was maybe like 48 hours. I didn't, you know, I didn't get back to you. And then all of a sudden I get a call from from Phil. Shout out Phil again. uh, And he's like, bro. I know what's going on. You're trying to sign Goal Machine. He hit me up. He said, you haven't responded to him. Like, well, I'm like, 
oh man i'm like first of all phil i did i wasn't this was about you two teaming up together and then i was like you know what man i'm i was mad at you you know let's just call a spade a spade so i put that conversation on ice for a little bit um but then obviously you know fast forward a year or two whatever it might be and uh you know we got back engaged when we were looking to sign you know, someone new and you happen to be a free agent. And like I said, you came out of the gate and made me look real smart because you won the first tournament and looked super competitive throughout the rest of the that inaugural season. And man, I, I can't wait to watch what happens this year uh, in the MLS and FIFA more broadly for you. But uh, yeah, I think you said you had a, a clear recollection of that exchange as well and what went down. And there's maybe another side to the story. Yeah, I remember, if I remember correctly, I think it was the September, October of 2019. Uh, FIFA 19. So was I wasn't in season. season. So I can't yeah, use that excuse as why I didn't get back to you for 48 hours. Well, <laughs> I um, I think like like I'm not too sure on that. I think it was then because the season just finished, and um, I think I was looking for a team at the time. Like okay. I was a free agent at the time for a certain. Okay, like, so you're probably like, yeah yeah like, maybe like a month. So I got a message from you, and I was like, wait, I was like, isn't Phil B with them? And then I was like, okay, I I replied back hoping like we could talk about whatever you may want to talk about. I don't know, and um. Then I think a few weeks on by, I didn't reply, so I was like, it's okay, because um, I ended up signing anyways somewhere. And then I think I told Phil about it in that period. I was like, I used to talk to him here and there, and I was like, yo, like, like Shane hit me up the other day, by the way, and I'm like, he's such a busy guy, he never got back to me or something, you know? And then he's like, ah, he's like that sometimes. I think it was more like, tell on. Shane to message, to respond if he wants to talk to me or something like that. It was, it was, it was forceful. <laughs> And I think oh, it was yeah, days, yeah. not weeks. I think it was days, not weeks. But there are there. If the DM history goes back far enough, there's proof, and maybe you're going to expose me uh, on Twitter after this. But I, I maintain it was 48 hours or so, or a, a weekend. If it was weeks, I'm going to fall on my sword and own it. But yeah, well, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm just going off. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. I'm probably wrong. But that, that's what I think happened. And, uh, and then yeah, I'm like Shane hit me up. Never got back to me. And he's like, oh, he's like, I'll, he's like, I'll ask him about it. And I was like, yeah, thanks. And he never got back to me either. I guess. Yeah, and you and you guys are playing it cool. Meanwhile, he hits me up. He's like, "What's going on? You're are you getting rid of me?" You know, blah blah blah. I'm like, "Oh, this is exactly what I didn't want to happen." But in hindsight, I had more control over the conversation if I had been more responsive. So then that would not have happened had I not been. So I was self-aware enough to realize, but I also still wanted to put the conversation on ice a little bit. And and anyway, here we are. You know, however many years later, and and you're the guy repping TFC and doing it, you know, proudly. So it's good to be able yeah. to look back and laugh at those moments. Hundred yeah, exactly. percent. It's all business. Like I don't take anything personally in this game. Honestly, it's yeah. all just business. Like you, you know what I mean? Like you make, you, you make friends, but at the end of the day, you're in an industry where it's like your friend can take your competitive. job. Competitive, bro. It's competitive. One hundred percent. Most industries are like that. Honestly, dude. From my experience, it's you know you got to right. learn to collaborate with people who are you know gunning for your job, think they're better than you, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like you're all going for the same promotions, all that kind of stuff. But honestly, you have to be learn to be collaborative. You know, that's one of the things that I had to learn the hard way. You know, doing everything on my own was just not sustainable and, and ultimately not the best, you know, the most optimal way to do things. You know, I, I may have said this before in the pod, but like one of my big realizations with Raptors Uprising was how much when I came into a meeting with an idea, if I led with it, I didn't get as much contribution from the team. And so I started flipping it where I would go, you know, here's the kind of broad strokes of what we need to do. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? And every single time without fail, the input I would get from the 
rest of the team would affect my ideas that I came in with and make them better. And so by the end of that, but, but if I led, because I was, you know, the leader, it just, it quieted everyone down. And so I had to, you know, hear everyone's, ta- you know, unfiltered take unaffected by my, my leanings, my, you know, inklings and, and, you know, inevitably it made our, my ideas better. And so it was a real le- lesson learned for me and in, in the importance of collaboration and, you know, giving everybody on the team a voice to be able to weigh in. And I try to you know do that all the time now with AMP as well as just go around the room and kind of, if someone's being too quiet you know put them on the spot what do you think you know what i mean uh, especially if it's someone who i think is you know well versed in the particular area that we might be talking about the contributions you can get from somebody who's like even somebody who's like on the more quieter side can probably surprise you i've kind of been in, in situations like that uh where we've called upon you know someone who's just like being a bystander in a meeting you know what i'm saying like you know what you what you give some contributing factors here and i think that's just good like all around <laughs> team building if that makes sense you know what i'm saying Totally. And I'm like a forceful speaker, know-it-all, you know, control freak type of person. So it's like, I can be particularly yes. difficult to collaborate with. If I lead, if I come out of the gate and I'm just like, here's my idea, you know, uh, it's, it's, it, you know, I realize it's Stimmy's, you know, collaboration. So I tried to learn from that. So Phil had a really natural segue into one of the good reasons why we have you on the pod, which is it's the World Cup right now. Um, and Canada's competing. And even as not a huge soccer fan, like I was engaged in that game. Uh, and it's super fun. I, same thing, I think, you know, the thing about the World Cup is just like, you know, my sort of epiphany about FIFA competition, how many years back, it's like, it's just, you know, you're watching the best of the best. And watching Canada give Belgium that run that it gave, Phil, I'm no, I know you're not Canadian, so you probably didn't watch it, but watching Canada, like they dominated that game. Now, I also know in soccer, when you get out to a lead, you play more defensively, but it was only a one goal lead for what the second ranked team in the world. So like, I'm not sure if it was just <laughs> that they were playing conservatively and letting Canada have all that kind of possession, but it really felt to me like Canada looked like the better team. And again, I'm completely ignorant in my you know, soccer knowledge, but I wonder from your perspective, you know, did you watch it? Yeah, I, I watched the, the whole game, yeah. And, and, and uh, what did you think? Did we, did we look as good as it looked to me or? Um, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I think the thing what happened was Belgium did not expect Canada to come out off the bat like that because they came out pressing and playing like a, like a high pressing game, which they, you wouldn't you wouldn't expect from a, a nation that hasn't made the World Cup in 30 six years i think if i'm not something like that yeah. something like that and um and then yeah they and then belgium's game plan i feel like just went went downhill and canada took over the game they had like a bunch of chances missed a penalty um yeah there's all over belgium and at the end of the day belgium has like some top class players and all they really need is like one chance and they got their one goal and that's it and then maybe they closed up shop and then yeah i just feel like belgium just couldn't play their game at all because canada like like, let's say it shocked them. So, yeah, it was a pretty, it was a pretty fifty-fifty game. Could have won either way, but Belgium took the lead and took the game. Well, tell me something. Obviously, since you're sitting in tune and watching everything, I, I'm watching as a casual because I'm not gonna lie. Like, I think, I think football is hype as hell. I just haven't watched it enough to understand. But that World Cup, it's really hard not to pay attention when it's all over the feed, and for good reason. What are your World Cup predictions, my guy? Uh, I know it's early. No, no, I'll say, well, my, the team I'm rooting for is Argentina because of Messi. Um, but I'll say there's a lot of good teams. And this one, I can't really tell who's going to win. Like, I can't tell you all right, but I would hope for Argentina. I want to see Messi lift the World Cup. And, yeah, that man, a loser like, opening match? Hey, hey, hey. Like, yeah, 
they did, but but listen, in, in 2010, Spain lost their first match too, and they went on to win. So there's okay. always hope. I yeah. love how we build these right. narratives as if they have some impact yeah. on uh, on current <laughs> present situation. And what about for Canada? What's your uh, prediction for how we're going to finish? Um, Canada's group is pretty tough. I'm not going to lie. Croatia's a top team as well. They made the World Cup final in the 2018. And, I remember uh, that, yeah. Yeah, and I don't know about Morocco. I, I know they have a few good players, but I haven't watched them play. Um, but I think Canada, if they play the same way they did against Belgium, come off the bat strong, and they just have to get the first goal. But if they get the lead, I'm sure they can do well, but they have to put the ball in the net, first of all. And then, yeah, but I'm sure they have a good chance if they keep playing the same way, they can get out of the groups for sure. Yeah, that uh, would be crazy exciting. And man, they had chances. Like they had a penalty kick early yeah, and uh, yeah, didn't capitalize. Yeah. And and there were like, I, I, I counted like three, four, maybe as many as five headers that just didn't quite connect perfectly on. And uh, it just felt like at some point they were going to break through and score. And then it kind of got down to the end and you realize, okay, you know, they're just it's probably not going to convert. For Oh, I don't know if you guys heard that, but my doorbell just rang. And you know what that means? Uber Eats just arrived, and I am 14 and 0 in beating Phil Vizu to receive my Uber Eats. Or wait, did you win one week? I can't remember. Now. I think I, I won off a of technicality. Yep. And at my house, uh, I've got a thing that teleports it from the front door to my office here. So shout out Uber Eats. <laughs> always, always appreciate Raptors Uprising for keeping us fed on these podcast days. It's a nice little additional bonus to coming on and seeing Phil and talking to our great guests. Uh, like I said, Noeed, I've been pumping your tires all episode, but it's awesome watching you rep TFC. Uh, I'm hoping for more trophies this year. I'm hoping for the big trophy this year for sure. I'll be watching when you're competing. Phil, I don't know if any final words from you or anything for Phil or for Noeed, sorry, before uh, we let him no, go. No, I mean it. It's great to be able to get so, you know, like I said, I know it's a 2K podcast, but anytime we can bring somebody, you know, outside of that space and kind of get their perspective on their respective sport or, or what they're into is always just like, it's very entertaining for me too, especially somebody who can be a, a casual observer of things, but it's like, like the competitive aspect too. I mean, that whole 40, what was it, 40 games in a month or something like that? Or a weekend? In a weekend, for every in a weekend. Yeah, yeah. Bro, you're, a different, you're different for that. Like, I don't even know what to yeah. say. You're different for that. So, nothing but respect, yeah. man, and best of luck on the upcoming season and stuff. Yeah, any I shout out to me? Any final words? Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I appreciate you guys for, you know, for this. Uh, thank you guys for having me. And, yeah, it was great talking about, you know, just the past and just catching up. So, yeah, thank you guys. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. And, 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 shout out, and shout out my manager, Kev. He's uh, one of the best managers I've had. No disrespect, Shane. You're also one of the best I've had for the while. And... <laughs> it was short. It was short-lived. We were only together a few weeks. Yeah, yeah, no, Kev, yeah. Kev's the best. Uh, Kev, yeah, Kev worked with me uh, when I was at MLSE, and he's still there to this day. And uh, we keep in touch a lot, and he's doing a great job on all, on all fronts with the MLSE esports program. So shout out, Kev. Yeah, or, or I could also add there's, there's a reason why you trusted him a lot. Right, so. For sure, for sure. That's yeah. what it's all, all about, right, buddy. man. Appreciate you. Appreciate your time, a hundred percent, guys. So another great edition of the Raptors Two K podcast from our friends at Uber Eats. Shane, thirteen and one in orders with me, and uh, the trend oh, did get one. As does our trend of having great guests. So we certainly do appreciate you taking the time. But that'll be all from us. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe, and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. And me hogging all the questions. See you guys next time.